I'm going to take a minute, and when I say a minute, you know that means more than a minute, right? I need to take a little time, and I need to explain something to you that is happening, that God is doing in the world. Because it's important to understand what Lake Sam is doing, and this information is not directly correlated to the content of the message. This is its own little manifesto, so to speak. This is the 95 thesis of Kurt Brunk that I'm nailing on the church door. And I'm saying that God is transitioning the world in a way that is significant and that we need to take note of so that we will participate with his transition. Okay? Now, when I say that, let me explain to you what I mean. Who in here knows what the word zeitgeist means? Can you name it out? Go ahead. Spirit of the age. Spirit of the time. Okay? It's the way, what that means is, it's the way that people think about things. The way that they process things. The way that they, when, when something happens, the way that they think it ought to happen and it ought to go. Zeitgeist. Okay? It's the spirit of the age. And what happens is, is you can go back all the way throughout history, and most zeitgeists are done by the Lord. And what he does is he changes the way that the world sees everything so that it sees something new and important. See? So that's what he's doing. Now, what's the zeitgeist? We're in the middle of a major transition. Probably, well, the 60s were a pretty big zeitgeist change, okay? This, this one, I think, is as big as that without being as um, flashy. Was that a good word? Okay, that, was, that one was a lot of, but this one is more substantive, honestly, in a real way. In fact, this, the, the zeitgeist of the 60s is the one that's giving way to this one, which is how they work. But here's what I want you to see. For everybody in here, this is a question only for people that are over 40. If people that are, that are between 20 and 30, you'll get an option. And then, but only for people over 40. You're going to get your chance. Don't worry. Here's what I want to ask you. Don't raise your hand until I say raise your hand, okay? Because I'm going to ask you a question, then I want you to raise your hand if it's true, okay? I want you to tell me, those of you who are over 40, did you ever even have one grade in your entire academic career, from kindergarten to however far you got in college, did you even have one grade that was dependent solely upon other people? Or was every grade, if you're over 40 years old, was it dependent upon you? Like even if you did happen to be in a class that had a group activity, you were graded on your own participation in the group activity, right? You weren't graded for the group's performance. So that's the question I'm asking. How many people over 40 ever had one grade in their entire academic career that depended upon solely the group's performance? How many people over 40? Raise your hand. We got one, two, three, four, a, a few. Now, those of you who are in your 20s and younger and 30s, I guess you can do this too because it, uh, you guys are in the cusp area of this. But for under, under, okay, now those of you who are under 30 and, like I say, in your 30s, how many of you have had at least one grade that depended upon a group activity where you were graded on the group's performance? How many under 30? Now look at that. Do you see this? Now, in fact, I want to show you how big this is. If you're, if you're 30s and, un, well, again, if you, you got to be somewhere in the 30s, so really it's the 20s. If you're in that younger millennial generation, that's the ones that were born around the millennium, is there anybody in here who has ever, how do I say this in the triple negative? Uh, I got to spin it around so that it's more simple. Well, yeah, but, but here's what I'm trying to say. Is there anybody in here that's in their 20s or younger 
that has not had that experience where your grade depended upon somebody else, a group. Do you see that? There's not one hand that went up. You know what that means? Every single person that's part of this shift in educational theory, every single one. In fact, the truth is you can't hardly get through a year without having at least one. You can't hardly get through a semester anymore without having at least one of your grades be dependent upon the group performance. Now let me say something. That may sound unfair to those of us in our 40s and above. But let me say something. In life, that's a lot more accurate to how we're judged. When your company goes down, you don't get an A and the company gets the F. You lose your job because you didn't perform in the company in a way. And it may not have been your fault, but you still are out of a paycheck. So it's much more like life. But I want you to go, I want to go a little deeper here and just explore this for a second. If I go to a millennial or one of these ones that are in their 30s that, you know, because it's always a cusp thing. If I go to somebody like that and I, here's what they, here's what they are deeply distrustful of. A few people going into a room, even if they're really smart, a few people going into a room and deciding how things are and then coming out and telling everybody how they are and getting everybody to be excited about what they think it is. Right? To the millennials. They do not trust the idea that somebody would go off and decide for me what's true. They don't trust that. In fact, if you really get behind it, Here's how millennials really think about any big highfalutin idea. See, in, boomer gener in the boomer life, there were these big principles, peace, love, freedom, how things should be done. And we communicated big principles. And here's what happened to the children of people with big principles. My mom and dad got divorced, and they told me that it was going to be better for me. And I may even have some compassion and understanding for that divorce and so on, but the bottom line was it was painful to me. Your big highfalutin idea hurt me. Not only that, but here's how they feel. You realize that the kids that are growing up, millennials right now, you realize that they are the most targeted, marketed generation that has ever lived in the history of the world. There is incredibly sophisticated science going behind how to influence the way that these kids think. And they know that they're being influenced by it, but here's what happens. Every time you stand and you talk about grand highfalutin ideas, they're naturally cynical. They're naturally protective because they're being marketed all the time. And your highfalutin idea sounds like you're just trying to get me to do something. And I don't know if I agree with it or not. I may actually agree with it. I may actually get involved with it. But even if I do, because I wasn't involved in the evolution of it, because I wasn't involved in the birth and the iterations and the changes, if you want me in, I'm, not, I'm always going to be reserving because I don't really understand the depths and the breadth of what it is that you're talking about, your highfalutin idea. Here's what a millennial wants. They do not think that they know everything. To the opposite, more than any other generation of our lifetimes, they believe they don't have the answer. And that what they have to do is get together with a whole bunch of other people and figure out what the answer is. In fact, what they believe they have to do is get together with everybody and start figuring out. Ask the questions first. Don't come to me with the question answered and set me up. Come to me with a thought about something and start asking the questions and let us generate this thing together. Now, I'm saying this, and there's a whole lot of 50-year-olds that are starting to nod their head and go, I get that. That's what a zeitgeist is. See, it started in millennials for all kinds of reasons, but a zeitgeist is when it starts to go to all generations, whether they were part of that or not. 
See, and we all, when I start talking about what do you trust most, when we hear about being involved in something where there's an honest question, there's an honest problem, and there's an honest question, and there's an honest attempt to find it, and people start going after it, what happens? We all get more ownership in it, don't we? Don't we? Now, I want you to think about this. That's exactly how God works with us. Here's what he doesn't do. People have read the Bible like this for years, and they're wrong to do so. God didn't go into some room and figure out what it was like and come back and tell us how it was. That may sound funny to some people, but think about it. Here's what he actually did. What he did was, is he told everybody basically the idea, and then he let it, the Bible is filled with stories of how that worked out in people's lives. And then here's what he does with us personally. He shows us those stories, he shows us those principles, but then he says, now let's go for a walk. Let's go on a journey. Oh, you want to choose that? That's not a good choice, but we're going to go down that road together because I want you to see what happens when you go down that road as your story is evolving. See what he's doing? He's involved in every part of our growth, even when we make the bad decisions. He's helping us to come to understand what was wrong with them, and he's moving us back in. So what he's doing is the same thing the millennials are asking for, which is, I want to be involved in the evolution of this idea, the iterations. I want to be involved in the adjustments that are made. Now, here's another thing. That's on a very personal level, but here's another thing that is key to understanding this millennial zeitgeist that's coming in, and that's this. They do not believe that any one culture group can have the answer. See, they're so multi- they're so oriented to other orientations that a bunch of us that look the same and feel the same and act the same can get together and have an idea and they know that there's something wrong with that idea that another person from another culture from another bent from another perspective would come in and they would say something that would make us go we thought we had the truth but we don't we needed that other perspective see millennials are going yeah that's true we know that somebody's going to say something the other stuff they may say may not be true but we're going to listen to what they have to say because it's possible that we're going to get a better course correction, a better new iteration, a better journey if we will stay open to what everybody says. Do you see it? Now, taking this to the church. Uh, by, by the way, that's what the Holy Spirit does with us too, right? He tells us get in community. Get in small groups. Get in a place. Get in threefolds. Get in a place where people can talk to you about stuff. You're all alone, that's bad. It is not good that man is alone. That's what God said in the garden. You put them together, you hear different perspectives, you stay open, you stay humble, you stay teachable. God can teach you and grow you, and now you're growing in a good way. Now, I've told you before that last year, about this time, there was a district convention in Spokane. A guy from a place called Post Holes, Idaho, which probably has maybe 9,000 people total, and this guy has a church of 9,000 people. Post Falls, Idaho. And he walked into a group of pastors. And here's what he said to them. You do realize that you're the only institution left in the Western world that thinks that people learn from somebody talking. There is value in didactic teaching. If a professor doesn't get up there and tell you about the subject material, then you have not you, you do not have the basics that you need. You can't just start a conversation. You know, you want to start from somewhere. So the professor comes up in a modern classroom. In the old classroom, what did they do? They stood up there and they talked 
for an hour or however long the lecture period was, and you took notes, and then you took a test to see whether or not you could reiterate what they said. Now what do you do? The professor talks, he lays down what we're going to talk about, and then what happens? Discussion. Perspective. That's how people learn. All the educational resources telling us that's how people learn much more when they have skin in the game. When we're passive, just receiving, we can get some of it, particularly new stuff. Didactic is good for new stuff. But for people who become mature, who are trying to get the nuances of a thing, who are trying to really wrestle with it, the community is a much better place and way of learning than is somebody talking to you from their limited perspective. See it? Now, I want you to understand something. That's what the church is supposed to be. Because that's how God did it in the beginning. You do know that the church is an outgrowth of the synagogue. The synagogue is a, is a gathering of Jewish believers. And what would happen in the synagogue, in fact, what happened in the story in Luke where we are right now today is this. Jesus did what he did, and then he comes in the synagogue, he opens the scroll, he reads from the scroll, and that's the way a synagogue starts, right? The message part of it. it you read from the scroll, the word, and then Jesus propounded on it. Now, he didn't propound very long. He just said it's fulfilled to this day. But somebody says something about it, usually the rabbi, right? And the rabbi will make some comments about that scripture. And then what happens? They talk. Do you remember Paul at one time saying, and we're not talking about women in ministry, and we have women teaching here all the time, so, and if you don't believe that that's biblical, talk to me, and I'll show you how it is. But, and, I'm not, and I don't do fake, there's simplistic ways of understanding women in ministry that are bad. But there's a solid reason for doing it, and that's the reason that we do it, if you want to know that. But I'm not about this, but do you remember when Paul said, I do not permit a woman to speak? That's because people spoke. <laughs> because when the guy was teaching, people were asking questions. It wasn't 3,000 people where you couldn't do it. It was a room like this, even smaller, frankly where what would happen is an idea would be presented and then people would say, well, what about this? And what about that? And so-and-so says this and such-and-such -such says that. And the community having skin in the game, participating in the discussion, letting their own ideas go out into the communal place would learn much more than if the rabbi would have sat there and just talked. When Paul was going into new areas and they'd never heard the gospel, he had to talk a lot. He talked so long, one time somebody fell asleep and died. I have never done that. Thank you, God. I did talk. I did have a guy die after a sermon, so maybe I have done that. But, and he came back too, so that's good. But, but do you see where we're going here? When you get to a certain level of maturity, when you're really trying to work something out, you don't need to hear yet one more sermon on it. What you need to do is start wrestling with what is going on with this together so that we can make it real. Do you see that? Now, what I'm saying is, is that there's a zeitgeist that's happening, and it's collaboration. That's not a word that millennials would like, because it just feels fake. But the bottom line is, what they understand is, is it's together. It's everybody in community contributing, and that's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how God is able to do the work that he does in this. And I want to tell you that everything about Lake Sam is coming out of this principle. We are catching this front edge of the zeitgeist change and from steering teams to every other part of our church this is precisely what we're doing 
We're not telling people what to do. We're getting them together and we're saying, here's what the problems are. Figure out what to do together. Work on it. Have the politics do all the things. But, but be, become a people that is working through something together so that God can grow you all and grow us through it. That's what we're doing. But understand something. We're not just doing it in things like steering teams and ministry teams. We're doing it in worship. We've asked worship to find a way of making worship more interactive. And we're going to be doing that. You're going to see it in the future. And not only that, but you'll see me doing things. I did it inelegantly last week. I'm sorry. But you're going to see me doing things in the sermons where I'm trying to participate. I'm trying to get participation. I'm trying to get some sort of communal thing taking place. Now, some of you are going to say, I don't like that. But here's what I'm asking for, grace. I'm asking, I think if I'm wrong about what the principle is, then challenge me and I'll change if you're right. I will. But if I'm right about the principle, then understand that God may be asking you for something more than what you become comfortable with, which is essentially a passive experience on Sunday morning. If I'm right, and what God is trying to do is to have you contributing and participating, I want to challenge you with this thought. If you don't participate, we lose. Because we didn't get that perspective. Do you see it? If you do participate, then we all grow more because you said something that sparked, at least in a few, and maybe the whole group, to take us to the deeper, fuller, richer, more true place that God's trying to take us. It's a more godly way of doing church. So that's what we're trying to find. I need grace. We're going to experiment. We're going to try a few things, okay? And what I'm asking for is, is you've already seen much of what we're going to do. I don't have any other five flute. And some people are going, oh, my God, he's going to do everything upside down again. I don't have any other plans in my mind whatsoever. Okay? Honestly. All I'm doing right now is, is I'm trying to make the case philosophically for you to participate. Be a part. Get some skin in the game. Contribute. Because it's going to make a difference.